20 minutes to 10, we've been dancing in the studio. Award-winning uh, song artist, Benny Mayengani, saying Malambani. I see uh, King Saint Nazi, who's in Soweto, says, Yo, you have taken me back to my hometown in Pulukwane with uh, Mayangani. Always listening to you. Uh, thank you very much for that message. A-teamers, we continue with our social, but uh, based on uh, education conversations, we're going to be talking uh, to uh, Kate Groch, who is CEO of Good Work Foundation, and we're going to hear what they do to uplift rural education. The number to dial to interact with us and ask your questions or give us your comment is 011-714-2006, or you can SMS 41391. To WhatsApp, go to 0614-104-107. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Kate, thank you so very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me. I'm really keen on knowing what you do at the Good Work Foundation. Um, yeah, so Patricia, the Good Work Foundation is an education foundation. We um, focus specifically in rural areas um, in Mpumalanga, and we have one campus in the Free State. And we create digital campuses, um, you know, predominantly to make sure that everybody who would like to learn has access to learning. Um, Our mission is to challenge what we learn, how we learn, and who has access. And I think that last one for me is the big driver of the entire team that works at Good Work Foundation, is making sure anyone who wants to has the access to learning. Okay. I'm glad that you said how we learn, what we learn, and who has access to learning. So the who is simple. Anyone and everyone who requires and has a passion to learn further is is, is able to do so as long as they're in Mpumalang or in the free state. But the (laughs) how is one thing that I'm intrigued by because the conversation we had before this was with uh, a PhD candidate, uh, Michael Michael, uh, Mesa. And we were talking Mm. about, you know, how COVID-19 has changed the landscape of uh, delivery of education. Mm. Now it's online and the likes. And I want to know, do you also employ um, both methods of uh, contact and online at Good Work Foundation? Um, absolutely. I think, you know, I think the way that education has moved, and I think um, COVID has definitely given it a big jump start. I think we are moving to a much more blended version of learning where, yes, some things can be online, but we find that the facilitation and, and, the, and the use of facilitators is still really important. And so most of our work is done as a blended method. Um, it's, it's interesting that the online, what it does do and the, and the amazing thing that it can do, it means you can bring great educators anywhere. And I think that's been the, the game changer is you can, if you've got internet um, and if you've got access to digital devices, you can actually learn from anyone in the whole world. And I think that's, that's amazing as we move forward. Um, we do find, though, that we, the young people who've come through um, the school system really still need to be guided some, through that learning um, journey. And so we definitely do both. Yeah, it's a blended system that we're using. A blended system for the rural communities in Mpumalanga and the Free State. So what sort of learning do you offer? What courses are available? Um, So we we run um, a bridging year, which um, takes uh, bridges the young person from um, matric or sort of end of school into either 
um, further education and training or into further career academies, which we actually have at our campuses as well. Um, and some of our young learners after that bridging year also move into the, the world of work. Um, you know, often circumstances require the young person to go off and, and earn a salary quickly. But we hope then after giving them end-user computer skills, um, English for um, the workplace, ready-to-work skills, and um, we do a lot of career interest profiling and guiding on careers and, and choosing professions. Um, and we hope that even the young people who have to move into entry-level jobs know that they have the skills to continue learning and that's, you know, their learning never ends. Um, so, yeah, that's our bridging year. We have um, career academies, which are quite specific to the area we're in. We obviously in Mpumalanga have a travel and tourism academy, which runs hospitality and um, conservation courses. We have a um, ICT academy, which does um, A+, plus, N+, plus, all your networking skills, security+. Plus. Um, and we have a facilitator academy, predominantly to grow young facilitators for ourselves as we grow. But we're finding those facilitators are moving into schools and also into um, preschools um, in the areas around us. Um, and then because we didn't want to just um, sort of keep waiting for, for school leavers, we run a program um, which is called the Open Learning Program, which looks at the grade four learners, which is um, a year where we support the transition of language from mother tongue into English, um, specifically in math and um, uh, English uh, skills, and then as well as conservation skills, um, environmental um, literacy, and then to really start to look once these young people can use a computer, their English is better, um, the youngsters are coding and doing robotics and Lego and digital storytelling. So once the lid is off, we just make sure it never gets put back on. How much do these courses cost? Because I can only imagine if you are offering this uh, to uh, rural communities, um, it, the cost should be one of the major issues for the people. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the things that we talk about when we talk about access. I think number one for access is, is there a space where you can go and learn? Number two is, what is it going to cost me to either get there? Because transport is, limit, is a limiting factor. Um, and then the other thing is, is, is there data? Those are the things that seem to stop people from, from, you know, from really just moving forward with their, with their learning and their studies. And so our, our courses are all highly subsidized. We do require a registration fee. Um, so every um, young adult is paying 700 rand for the year, but the courses are definitely worth a lot more than that. But we have wonderful South African corporate partners. We have wonderful lodge partners in that area who are all you know, working towards allowing young people to, to start their careers and to start their learning. You know, today we heard uh, the unemployment stats and it, it's really not no. looking great. It's not no. looking promising. So <laughs> yeah. with, with the work that you're doing at Good Work Foundation, how do you prepare then these young um, people who come into your facilities to learn? Yeah. How do you prepare them for the big world once they're done? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the most important things is for them to start to really understand who they are. I think the biggest mistake we sometimes make is to just pile skills onto a young person um, and they need the time to figure out what it is they're good at, who they are and what they'd love to go and do. Um, I don't believe that companies are going to provide jobs for everybody that um, are needing jobs. And so there's a lot of emphasis put on who, who am I, what can I, how can I add value to this region, to this community, to my family? 
And also, is there something I want to start? Like, can I start a small business that then maybe just hires five people? And can I hire the young people who've been working with me? And so, yes, we do prepare young people into jobs in the lodges, in the um, tourism industry. Um, we've actually started, um, we're in the process of creating an enterprise, which is um, a call center. So we have 50 young people who already are graduates who are starting to, to work there as sort of a stepping stone into getting skills so that they can further their careers elsewhere. But yeah, I think it's, it's very important that it's a, a real focus on, yes, I need skills, but I also need to know who I am and how I can um, take on the world, I think, is where a lot of the focus is as well. Very important. I think it's critical mm. that we don't just uh, teach for students mm. to go out and look for jobs, but utilize the skills and, you know, the empowerment they've received to start their own and bridge gaps that are in the communities. Let's take a bit of a break and we'll be back. Uh, we are talking to Kate Groch, who is the CEO of Good Work Foundation. And uh, A-teamers, if you are perhaps uh, a part of their their great work in Pumalango, the free state, or you are interested to find out how can you get uh, the access to their information, please do get on uh, WhatsApp and ask your questions, 0614-104-107 or call 011-714-2006. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. We are speaking to Kate Groch, who is uh, the CEO of uh, Good Work Foundation. Kate, you know, mm. COVID-19 has been a, a, an issue for every industry, um, especially with the hard lockdowns. How did this impact y- the communities that you work in and the work that you do to empower and educate uh, those in your communal area? Um yeah, I mean, it, I don't think anyone was um, untouched by the craziness that's got on, gone on in the last little while. But I think um, what was really interesting is it really made us um, look carefully at what, what, what we are, are doing and the impact that we're making. We managed to very quickly to pivot and get all our adults, um, students online. So they carried on throughout um, lockdown, which was um, a, sort of a great win for us. We were thrilled that we were able to do that. The, obviously, the school programs were really difficult because we accessed the learners during their school time. And so when schools were closed, um, that was an issue. What we've discovered is as the, the young people have been going back to school, we've actually deployed our team um, to go and support in the school so that they can help um, the teachers and the learners as they sort of re-enter um, the schooling space. But what we're finding is they, um, the schools are rotating learners through. So different grades are coming on different days. And we're finding all the young learners are with us on the days that they're not at school. So obviously we've had to keep you know, numbers down, social distancing. We looked at different timetables. So students didn't come every day. You know, we blocked students and came. They came for a full day once a week, and the rest was done online. So it definitely has impacted. But it's, it's interesting, some of the things that we've learned um, are going to carry on post-COVID and, we're, you know, we're carrying on with them. So it's been a, a very interesting one. Obviously, funding was was um, impacted, but again, it was something to really sort of just focus on and, you know, we, we believe in the work that we're doing, so we managed to get ourselves um, focused and get going. Now, uh, you were talking about the great four learners that you take in uh, for yeah. uh, programs to transit from, you know, mother tongue into English learning. How do those programs work? And and how easy is it for children to be able to adjust? Um, it's interesting. So we, we take 
we have at each of our campuses we've partnered with all the local primary schools um and so usually an entire circuit can be um developed through one of our campuses and so the children in grade four we collect them from school during school time and they come for an hour and a half to two hours a week and we run um there's sort of when they walk into the um the big open learning space there are all different tables they'll move through english sessions math sessions um environmental sessions um our team is all um trained on brain gym and keeping brains alive and the exercises in between the different sessions. And so that sort of happens once a week throughout the year. Um, we find that uh, the, the kids are very quick. You know, they, they're quick onto the tablets, they're quick onto the computers. You know, young people have none of the barriers that we have when we're a bit older that we're concerned or worried that we're going to break something or what if we, if we sort of lose information. They, it's so intuitive that they just start to learn. And it's actually a really wonderful thing to see. And what you find is once they are loving that and once they are really engaged and excited to learn again, it starts to spill over into all the subjects. Because when you start to achieve in one area, everything else seems to be possible. And so you find young people are, yes, we're not specifically teaching geography or teaching history or social science, but as these young people start to get excited to learn again, um, you find them just excelling in all the, in all the subjects. Most definitely. And yeah. and do you have like an age limit for the older people who come in, or is it just open for anyone who wants to come and learn uh, one of your courses? No, it's absolutely open for anyone. Um, obviously, the bridging year we find is predominantly school leavers, so we find that's between sort of eighteen and twenty five. Um, but we've had somebody who was seventy two learning. We've had somebody who was four. So you know, if you want to learn. The access is there. Mm. Are, are there any success stories that you can share with us from people who have studied with you and finished the course? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could be here all night telling you wonderful stories. I mean, every young person that comes onto that campus is is choosing to move forward. You know, a, a lot of our staff actually came through our programs, which has been wonderful. And so at each of our campuses, um, the people who are, are working there are from those communities, which I think is also really amazing. We've had a, uh, the, actually the first ever bridging year student, um, Paris Moeng, he, he went through our bridging year, went through our ICT, and he's now extremely successful at, um, at a call center, as a call center agent. Um, we've got young people who've gone through us and have then gone off to study fine art and geology. And when children are, cho- when young people are choosing that, you know that they've really looked hard and seen what they really, really love to do. Because it's not a lot of young people in those areas who are choosing to study things like fine arts um, and geology. So we've had just amazing young people. As I say, a lot of my staff, all our managers, our campus managers have all come through our system. And it's just, it's amazing to see young people just moving forward and, and creating their own careers. Is is your background education, Kate? Yeah. Uh, ah, I thought as much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was about to ask, where did the passion to start such a foundation spark up? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Patricia, I, I, um, people say, are you a teacher? I mean, I think it's who I am. I don't, uh, you know, I think the teachers are, we wake up and that's what we, we can't help ourselves. And I think, to me, the mo- the thing that drives me is just the potential that that you can see in young people all over. You know, South Africa is, is, has challenges, as does the whole world, and, and COVID has really put a big magnifying glass on all those challenges. But the, the answers to the challenges are in our young people. 
And at the moment, we're not tapping into all our young people. So if we want to make sure that we can, you know, really meet all the challenges that are in our in our path, we need to make sure that every single young South African is potential and innovation is being tapped into. And I think that's what drives myself and, you know, the, 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 the team, the big team that is working on this education mission that we're on. So in your five campuses uh, that yeah. are across Mpumalanga and Free State, um, you are pushing the movement for women-led and woman-powered uh, um, you know, uh, you, opportunities. Um, talk to us about this. Uh, are you sidelining our guys? No, never. <laughs> no, we, uh, I mean, what, it's interesting. We have sort of over 70% of our staff and our students are, are women. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting, and, and sometimes the pendulum swings and, and we're in women empowerment, but we're actually in human empowerment, and that takes both the men and the women to be part of it. And we've got a really wonderful group of young men at, at Good Work Foundation, and, you know, both the, 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 all the staff, both men and women at, at, um, at Good Work, are really, you know, they're actually modeling a different way of, of, of being. You know, the young men are gentle and work hard with the young people, you know, they, it's exciting because there's robots and there's, you know, and computers and they're technicians and all sorts of things. And so, you know, the whole team knows that we, we have two jobs. We have a GWF job and then we have a job where as we step out, we show, an, uh, you know, a new way of moving forward, especially for these for the youngsters um, who come to the open learning. So, no, it's definitely not just for women. Um, we are finding that it is predominantly women and there's a lot of our campus managers are women, but we have some wonderful young men who are on this mission too. Are you planning on opening up other uh, centres across the country? It, it's, it, that's the question. <laughs> it's the question we talk about all the time. And, and absolutely, you know, for any non-profit, you know, when you find something that you can really see is working and is, is sort of unlocking potential in young people, you want to scale it. And so the, the, the trick is now, well, the, the mission is now is when to scale it. When will we be ready to do that? Right now, um, in the middle of a pandemic, probably not. And so we've sort of taken from the beginning of this year, we've really said, let's take the next 18 months, let's really embed deep where we are, make sure all our programs um, are really running smoothly, make sure what we call our ecosystem of learning and working is really um, sh- being showcased. And then absolutely, you know, it's something that we do think, you know, it's a, it's a partnership between community, the young people in the community, Good Work Foundation, and the businesses around in the area. And I, it is something that I think can go um, to other places, and we would love to see it in as many places as possible. Have you perhaps earmarked where you'll go next? I know it's something in the <laughs> distant future, but... Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's another sort of cluster um, further north in Mpumalanga that we're looking at. And interesting, somewhere in Limpopo as well, near Groblis Dal, where it's actually not connected to tourism, it's actually connected to agriculture. But, you know, depending on where it would, you'd have to see what is the local industry, what would be the the skills that need to be trained so that young people can access those jobs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's nothing is set in stone. There are a few things sort of just on the horizon. And, yeah, we hope, at, at, you know, when we feel that we're ready, we'll be able to sort of, pick up and really inspire people to do this all over the place. Excellent. Kate, thank you so very much for joining us. Please give us perhaps your website if there are organizations who are keen uh, to to support you and for people in the areas to come and uh, um, utilize your facilities. Um, absolutely. So it's um, www. 
Good Work Foundation, so all one word, goodworkfoundation.org, O-R-G. Excellent. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. It's 11 o'clock, A-teamers. Let's go to Amanda Machaka for the final news bulletin for this evening.